Well, this evening we're starting a new series. I said it this morning at our 9.30 prayer meeting that we're going to be starting a new series, um, just a little short four-week series, because can you believe it? We are racing up to Easter really quickly. Um, I don't want to say it, but, um, you know, Christmas has just gone, Easter eggs are in, and uh, we're racing up to Easter. So we're going to do a little short four-week series looking at the Lord's Prayer. Okay, And we're going to be breaking it up week by week and looking at a different section of the Lord's Prayer um, and just pulling out topics that stand out to us um, from the Lord's Prayer. Okay, um, Many of us, whether we've been in church for many, many years or this is our first time this evening coming to a church, may be familiar with the Lord's Prayer. You know, maybe you might not be able to recite the whole thing. That's fine. Um, I always stumble over the words. Um, or, but we may have heard a little bit of it. We may have recognised a bit of it. We may have heard it at a funeral service. We may have heard it at a wedding celebration. We may have, if we are really old, like myself, we might have said it at school in assembly. Okay, so um, I don't think you say it anymore, do you? No, um, we told off. But um, we, um, yeah, we used to say it in, a, in a assembly, um, and we have some sort of knowledge of what the Lord's Prayer is. The Lord's Prayer is actually um, the model that Jesus gave to his disciples. So his disciples uh, were there, and they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus um, taught them this prayer about how to speak to God, but also how God could speak to us too. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. Okay, It's talking to God. There are so many different ways that we can pray. Okay, There's not one set way to pray. It's simply an ongoing conversation with God, a conversation that we have with God. There's times when we might pray and we're really thankful. There's times when we might pray out of frustration. There's times we might pray when we're in need of help. There's times we might pray when we're actually angry and we want to get something off our chest. Um, We pray in all different ways. There's no right or wrong way to pray. And sometimes I think it's important that we remove some of the pomp that's around prayer. Okay? Have you ever sat in a prayer meeting and it sounds like someone's speaking a different language because all these words are coming out of their mouths and you think, where did that come from? I was just talking to them a moment ago. And then there's all these words that I don't understand. We don't need to use big words. We just, it's a conversation between us and God, just like if I was talking to Matt. Okay? It's just a conversation with God between you and a friend. Prayer isn't about getting what we want, okay? It's not simply about what we want. Prayer is about being transformed. It's about being changed by a relationship with Jesus, becoming the person that God wants us to be. That's what prayer is about. So I'm going to read you um, the words of the Lord's Prayer so that you know what I'm talking about this evening because you might be thinking, I don't know it at all. And so I'm going to just read it to you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then we add on, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
That's the Lord's Prayer. That's what I'm talking about this evening. And the first bit that is the bit that I want to really think about tonight. So, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Right at the very start of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus reminds us to remind ourselves of who we are talking to who we are actually praying to. You know, it's so true that what comes first in our lives is normally what's most important to us. So the thing that you wake up in the morning thinking about is probably the thing that's important to you that day. The thing that comes first is the thing that we focus on. And so starting our prayers, beginning our prayers at the very start with praise and thanks is a way of declaring and saying to God, thank you for who you are. You're the awesome creator God, all holy. And you know, it's really important that we honor God and praise God before we come and present him our needs. You know, I don't know if you're a bit like me, but when I was younger, my prayers could have been, if I'd written them down, exchanged from my Father Christmas list. You know, it's a bit like, dear God, please can I have boom, 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 boom. Okay, because that's how it was. But, you know, Jesus teaches us to, first of all, recognize who we're talking to, our awesome creator God, our Father God. We stop and give thanks and recognize the holiness of God. But also in saying, our Father, it shows an intimacy. We're not talking to a distant God, a distant God who's not interested in our lives. We're talking about one who's interested in that intimate relationship with us, who's interested and knows every detail of our lives. The Bible tells us, doesn't it, that God knows every hair on our head. I'm not looking at anyone. I've said this before. <laughs> Some of you don't have many. But God knows how many hairs upon our head. The part of the Lord's Prayer, though, that I really want to concentrate on this evening, and that I just felt as um, we've been chatting about this as a staff team, we've been talking about what does it mean, and every day we always just throw little nuggets at each other about what might, um, we might talk about. But the bit that really has kind of stuck with me. Don't throw chicken nuggets at each other, Ellie. I can see you. We just did little nuggets of gems of wisdom. The important part that I really want to think about that keeps coming back to me is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think it's because it's a question that I'm asked so many times throughout the week in all the time I've been here, I can probably say it's come up nearly every week. This question, how do I know if that's God's will for my life? How do I know if God wants me to do that thing? How do I know if I should be doing this thing? Does God have a plan for my life? Is there a plan that I should be walking in? And in a sense, does God still speak to me today? Does God still speak to us today? Because I can't hear that plan. It's so difficult. Does God Almighty, in all of his holiness, in all of his awesomeness, actually have a master plan for little old me sat here this evening? Well, the answer is yes. 
Yes, he does for every single one of us. Does, God does have a plan for us. God does have a purpose for our lives. So I guess the next question is, if so, how do I discover it? How do I know what God's plan is? How do I know what God's will is for my life? If I'm praying, your will be done. Well, what is that will? What does God want me to do? How can I discover it? Because we all need direction in life. You know, if you're sitting here tonight and you're in the sixth form, you might be thinking, should I go to university or not? Should I stay on island? Should I not? If you're sitting here and you're in year 11 thinking, should I do A-levels? Should I do college? Rihanna, you're visiting sixth form this week. You know, what should I do? What should I do with my life? Maybe it's a career change. Maybe it's like um, who you're going to marry. Should I marry this person? Should I not marry this person? Is this the person I should spend the rest of my life with? You know, we have different stages of life, right through to, should I downsize my house? Am I getting too old for this house? You know, we have loads of different things all through our lives that we kind of feel we need some direction on. And what is the plan and what is the will? Should I go on a crazy holiday adventure? <laughs> yes, <laughs> not looking at anyone who's just booked one this weekend. And um, we go through, and the chain, these questions change at different stages on our lives. And as we face different challenges, but we sometimes need some supernatural input on these things to know if we're headed in the right direction. And I think there's two views that commonly come up when we're talking about God's plan or God's will for our life. There are two views, and I think there are two views that need challenging this evening. The first one is, is that we think finding God's will is really hard. We think it's really hard heart like God's hiding it from us like a big game of hide and seek and he's up in heaven he's going yeah 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 you're getting a bit hotter a bit warmer a bit warmer a bit oh no you're very cold now you've kind of got you're not close to it you know I think sometimes we feel like it's really hard it's something that we can never quite find and we're striving to find it or secondly we think that God's will is something undesirable we kind of think you know, like, it used to be said a long time ago, I don't know if you've heard this recently, but it used to be said a long time ago, if I don't want to go to Africa, that's where God's going to send me. Have you, do you heard that? That's what people used to think. You must be miserable to be in God's will. It's sort of like a diet, okay? There's no happy diet out there, I've discovered. There's not a single happy diet. Every diet I've ever been on has been horrible or boring, okay? That's because... Um, all the stuff I like is the wrong stuff. You know, you know do, do you ever do this? Open a packet of hobnobs, you eat one, and by the end of the evening, they're gone. Okay, they're, they're just gone, the whole lot. Yeah, um, or I don't know, or pizzas, or chips and cheese. All those things are just so yummy and delicious, and I can just devour those things. Okay, I don't mind. I can resist an apple. I can resist a bunch of grapes quite easily. Quite easily, I can resist those things. Um, they're all like the good stuff that gets taken out. And I think sometimes we think the same way with God's plan for us. We know it's good for us, but actually, I'm going to be quite miserable doing it. And I think we can sometimes think that. can't possibly be good. It can't possibly be enjoyable. And these two trains of thought are completely untrue. They're completely untrue. It's not like God's hiding it from us. And it's not that God wants us to be miserable. 
and the plan that God has for us that it's not going to be good and it's not going to be enjoyable. Here's the thing I think we need to hear this evening. There is joy and there is happiness and there is contentment in following the will of God. It's the best place to be. And if I turn that round, when we're not walking in God's will, then we're walking in misery. It's a miserable place to be out of the will of God in our lives. When we're outside the will of God. And if you don't believe me, try and remember the story of Jonah. You know, God had a plan for his life. He decided, I'm not going to follow that plan. I'm going to get on the boat and go the other way. And he ended up inside the belly of that great big fish in that stinking, rotting, horrible place to be. Sitting there in misery until he got back on track with God. So why does God so desperately want to reveal his plan to us? Why does he want to show us his will? Because he's our friend. Because God's our friend. And, you know, I love it when friends share secrets with me. You know, when you share a secret with your friend, it's great because you feel like you know something and you've shared something and it's a privilege that you've got that kind of between you. There's some information that you're keeping between you. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his, his master's business Instead, I have called you friends. I call you my friend. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I have made known to you. God as your friend. Can I say that? Every single person sat here tonight, God wants to be your friend. Your friend. God as your friend wants to reveal his secrets to you wants to reveal what's in his heart to you. Because the Bible says it in Psalm 25. The Lord confides. He confides in those who fear him. He shares what's on his heart with those who fear him. God, as your friend, wants to reveal his will. There are things in your life that he wants to unfold and open up and unveil to you. He wants to unveil them in your life but we need to tune in to the voice of God and to seek the face of God. So if we go back to the Lord's Prayer, back to the Lord's Prayer, which is our template, Jesus said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's great, isn't it, that we get um, taught to give praise, that we get taught to honour God, before we get to the asks part. And Matt's going to do the asks part next week, aren't you? Give us our day, our daily bread. I want lots of different bread here next week, Matt. Lots of different tastes for us. And I'm taught, before I go to my asking list, I'm taught to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your will be done in my life before I go to my list of asks. We should not only want to know the will of God, we should be actively seeking the will of God. You know, Psalm 40 verse 8 says, I desire to do your will, my God. I desire it. I desire it. I long to do it. So how do we discover what God's will is? How do we discover what God's plan is? To be honest, it's simple. I'm just going to say it's quite straightforward tonight. To know God's will is simply to take a step of faith, to take one step of faith, 
to take that one step that God is, is asking us to do, just to step out. And then it unfolds as we take steps. Uh, you know, it, God often shows us one step before he shows us the next step. It's very rare that he takes us, shows us the actual final destination. I may be the odd one out here tonight, and you can tell me, well, Chrissy, you're way out of tune. But I have never woken up in the morning to a big, loud, audible voice in my bedroom, thank goodness, because I would probably pass out, um, saying, morning, Chrissy, here's your plan for today. Go and speak to checkout number two lady at Waitrose and put this in your trolley and then go on to town and speak to the person on the second bench because they really need to hear about me. I've never had that. Maybe you have. Maybe you have a big audible voice um, speaking to you all the time. No, God just leads me a step at a time. Just one step at a time. Because God's will, it's not a timetable. It's not an agenda. It's not a diary entry. God's will is an attitude. It's about our character. And it's about our heart. The Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. So we read the Word of God, we read the Bible, we pray, we talk to God, and then we're right in the centre of God's will. When we're getting to know God, when we're speaking to God, when we're learning his Word. And I think it's so important that we don't make it too mysterious or mystify it too much. It's simply walking in God's way, one step at a time, one step of obedience at a time. And the best place to start in that step of obedience is to open up the manual. And we all know this. We've all been given the manual for life in the Bible. God's given it to us. Sometimes I think God must be saying to us, I've given it to you right there. It's right there on your bookshelf. It's right there in the backseat of your car. It's right there. I've given you my word. That's your manual for life. You know, last Christmas, not Christmas just gone, the Christmas before, Freya wanted a trampoline. Okay, she didn't know she... Well, actually, she's always wanted a trampoline, and we as parents have always said, we're not having a trampoline in the garden. Um, Then we gave in. We caved in and thought, okay, we'll get her a trampoline. So Martin and I got her a trampoline, and we said, we can't put it up till Christmas Eve, because she'll see it in the garden, okay? So we said, it's fine, we'll put her to bed, and then we'll put it up, we'll put this trampoline up, that's fine. So she's getting a bit older now, so half past nine, she goes off to bed, and uh, it's pitch black outside, okay, and we said, can't turn any lights on, because she'll know what we're doing, because she's a sneaky little one, and she'll find out. So we said, okay, we'll use the torch, okay, so we had the torch, um, and we thought, take about an hour, put up this trampoline, no problem at all. So we get the big round bit, you know, that you go round first, thinking this is easy, 10 minutes later, circle made, and then we get the, what's it called, the bouncy bit, Um, the the springy bit in the middle, okay, (laughs) and it's got lots of hooks, you know, a trampoline, you have to put the hook in and put it in the hole, hook in the hole, Matt and I like piece of cake, Um, we just um, put the hook in, put it in the hole, put the hook in, put it in the hole, went, started going round, got about halfway round and we were like, They've given us the wrong flipping bouncy bit. This is never going to fit. It's only halfway around the circle. There's no way. Martin's like, it must be, because it's got to take her weight. got to stretch this thing out, right? So we're like, okay, we've got to stretch this thing out. So Martin's like, right, I'm going to get my tools from the shed, okay? And he builds this contraption where he sort of 
winding up. I'm holding on for dear life. If I had, if you'd seen me, I would have gone ping, okay, and flying across. Anyway, it took us ages, ages and ages, and we would go around, and no, it wouldn't fit, eh? And then we went, man, it wouldn't fit, no, it wouldn't fit, wouldn't fit, wouldn't fit. And eventually, we did it. Half past two in the morning, okay? We finished this trampoline, okay? Might as well just have put the turkey in then. Um, but it was half two in the morning. We come in, we bring the box in. We're like, really, we are grouchy at each other, I tell you. We needed some marriage prep then um, because we're like, oh. Anyway, bring the box in, put the box on the floor, and out flies from the box this little key that we never knew because we didn't follow the manual that you can just go click, click, click. Click, and we would have done it in about 10 minutes had we had followed the manual. But no, we thought we could do it in our own strength. It's a bit the same with life, isn't it? We go round and round and round and round in circles trying to do it on our own, trying to find God's will, and God says, I've given it to you there. If we had just opened that manual, we'd have seen there was that little bit that pops a trampoline together. You know, it would have taken us so much less effort. So the Bible tells us about God's will, tells us in Romans, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform anymore to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. That's what Paul is saying. He's basically giving us, could be entitled, instructions for finding the will of God. That's how it could be put. This is a conditional promise. Um, What do I mean by a conditional promise? It means that there's this promise of good things, that we would find God's pleasing and acceptable, perfect will... But the conditions are that we have to do something first, that we have to do something about it. What do we have to do first? Present myself before God as a pleasing and perfect sacrifice and not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. It all begins in that first little bit of that passage. It says, therefore, I urge you. Urge you. When was the last time you used the word urge in that way? Not in a urge. (laughs) In urge. I urge you. I I, I encourage you. I, I, I plead with you. I beg with you. That's what he's saying here. I, I begging with you. Present yourself before God, therefore. And wherever it says, therefore, in the Bible, I always say you have to find out what it's there for. Okay, because there's always a therefore before the therefore. Okay, and here it means to have a look at what's been previously said. And previously, Romans 1 to 11 tells me the message of the gospel. It tells me the message of the gospel. It tells me that I'm a sinner. I've done so much wrong. I know I've done so much wrong. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I've done things purposely wrong. I'm a sinner. I'm separated by God. I can't meet God's standard. 
there's no way I can get to the standard that God wants me where God wants me. I can't save myself. But that's why, because God loved me so much that he sent Jesus to die for me. He sent Jesus to die for me so he could take all that sin. He could take all those mistakes. He could take all that rubbish and I'm forgiven. And I'm given a hope and a future. And I'm welcomed into the family of God. And so Paul says, therefore, therefore, in light of this, of all that God has done for you and for me, what we, what should we be doing for him? A fantastic modern translation of the Bible if you struggle to read the Bible in the message. Let me read it to you in the message. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're eating, you're sleeping, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. I love that version of that passage. It's so great. And I think we need to um, understand this this evening because it is for everybody. Every single one of us is called to give glory to God, no matter what our situation is, no matter where we find ourselves. You know, we're all called to bring glory to God wherever we are in life. Sometimes we have this false thinking in church that it's for the worship leader. They're called to bring glory to God through their worship, through the person speaking, through the missionaries that go abroad. They're called to bring glory to God. Do you know what? We need more than ever godly teachers, godly nurses, godly politicians, godly waiters, godly shop workers, godly students, godly nursery workers. We need so many godly people using their God-given talents wherever God has placed them. We need so many people just serving God with what God's placed in their hearts in the place that he's put them. Remember Esther last week, for such a time as this, God has placed you in that place. So what do I need to do? Present your body as a living sacrifice. Present your body as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? Give your whole being to God. Give your physical body to God. Give your personality to God. Just present yourself to God. Give, the, give what's um, present now. Give what's in the future. Give it all to God. And give your resources to God. So important that we give everything to God. We need to present our minds. Our minds are so important. Fill our minds with God's truth. Not all the rubbish of the world's views that comes around us, that culture says. There's so much being thrown at us. I was chatting about it with some of the young people this morning about the rubbish that culture is just throwing at us at the moment. We need to be renewed by our mind. We need consciously and proactively think about godly things more often. I was so encouraged this week to hear of one young person who's just really been struggling with self-image and body confidence. And she said to me, I've just put Bible verses all around my mirror. 
And it's really helped because I read the Bible as I'm looking in the mirror before I go to school and just fill my mind with God's word. How fantastic that is to hear that being renewed, renewing your mind to what God says about you rather than what the world would say about you. Philippians 4, we know this verse. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Our minds, our words, our speech, we need to give it to God. You know, we spoke um, a couple of weeks ago about it, the book of James. Do you remember how important our words are? Think before you speak. Think before you tweet. Think before you post on Facebook. Think before you WhatsApp that message. Think before you spread that information that might not even be true. Think about it. You know, years ago, I heard a really helpful little way to remember to think about what you say, because this is one that cuts with me so much. It's all based on think. T. Is it true? Is what I'm about to say or tweet or type, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it going to help the person? H, is it going to help the person who's reading it? I, is it inspiring? Does it bring the person to life? Does it make them like, wow, this is amazing? N, is it necessary? Is it necessary for me to say that thing to that person or put that out on social media? Is it really necessary? Do my friends in the world, do they need to know I was eating baked beans and chips tonight? No, it's not necessary. Okay, K, is it kind? Is it kind? Am I speaking words of kindness to one another? And if you say, if I did all those things, Chrissy, and thought, think, every time I spoke, I would never say another thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, let's be careful. Let's think about what we say. James 3, 5 says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what great forest is set on fire by a small spark. What enormous damage a tiny spark can do in a forest. I remember, I don't know when it was. Some of you remember. We had a fire on the field. Do you remember that? And um, we had a bonfire, a contained one, okay, a contained fire on the field here. And uh, we didn't think it was a dry summer. Do you remember that? And the fire kept jumping out and it kept setting fire to other parts of the field. Do you remember, Danny, was that you? Um, uh, <laughs> pointing their fingers. Um, but, and we had to keep getting water and keep dampening it down and we were moving the fire. Do you remember? Oh, who doesn't remember that? Was it me? Was I standing there on my own having a fire? And it was getting spreading out further and further and I was thinking it's going to be me. It's going to be me. I'm going to be the one responsible for burning down the entire church. Okay, it's coming, and it was jumping, and it was jumping, and the more we tried to put it out, the more it was spreading, and this thing was getting bigger and bigger. And you just realize what a tiny spark can do. The whole thing is set alight. That's what our words can do. It's what our words can do. Our words, our thoughts, our whole bodies. Okay, we need to present to God in Proverbs Six, this is a hard verse, I think. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven things that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush to evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. 
Each body part is like mentioned there. We need to give our whole bodies, even our feet. Even our feet, God says. You know, have you ever watched a toddler walk? And the toddler, first time they walk, they kind of like wobble all over the place. And you have to follow them because they kind of naturally walk into danger and cause chaos everywhere they go. Some people stay like that as adults, you know? Everywhere they go, chaos kind of happens, you know? We need to control every part of our body. Give up, present it all to God. Present the whole thing to God. So our minds, our words, our actions. I also want to add in here that I don't often, well, hardly ever, I don't think the talk's spoken about, is our finances, you know, our resources. It may sound strange for me to say that tonight, but I think that where we spend our money is often where our priority is what we spend our money on, what we enjoy spending our money on, often shows where our priorities lie. In Corinthians, Paul writes about the generous believers who live in Macedonia. And these people weren't wealthy, but it simply says they saw a need and they met it. They saw a need and they met it generously. And Paul commended them and says that they did this as giving themselves to the Lord. So before they gave their finances, first they'd given themselves. They gave all of themselves. They saw a need and they met it generously. Finance followed. We need to give generously. Secondly, if we want to know the will of God, so we give ourselves and present ourselves, we can't be conformed to the pattern of this world. That's what Paul says. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't walk around like you really belong to the world. That would be presenting yourself inconsistently with who you really are. That's what the Bible says. I went to a fancy dress party once. Actually, it was Denny's. I don't know if it's 40 or 50. 40, okay. <laughs> You're not 50, I know that, sorry. <laughs> um, the 40th uh, fancy dress party. And I remember um, we had to go something D. So I went as my hero, Dolly Parton, if you know me. I went as Dolly Parton, and I remember walking through town, and I had these high boots on, and I had big balloons here, and I was like all dressed up with a big blonde wig, and I had big pink lipstick on, and some cars beeped as they went past, how bizarre is that? And I remember going there to that party, but I'm not Dolly Parton. I can't sing working nine to five, like, um, I'd love to sing working nine to five. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> My favourite song, look at Matt. <laughs> You're like, I'm not assistant team leader. <laughs> I'm not part of this. Um, yeah, so we like, went as Dolly Parton. Martin went as Def Leppard. Um, it was anything to starting with D. Um, and I, it made me think, like, I'm, I'm, just because I'm wearing those things, I'm looking at that, I'm not that person. That's not who I am. I can't sing a note, okay? And sometimes we do the same. We walk around presenting someone or something that we aren't really us. It's not really us. Paul is saying, don't pretend to be something that you're not. Don't be conformed um, into the pattern of this world. The message puts it as, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. So this evening, let's come back to the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done. Your will be done. If we want to know the will of God in our lives... Maybe we've been waiting for some great revelation. 
Maybe we've been waiting for someone to come up to us and say, hey, this is really what God wants you to do. And maybe that will happen. Maybe that will happen. But, you know, I think God's will for our life is much more about our character and about our heart. And God's will for our life is becoming more like Jesus, is to become more like Jesus. It's simply to know him and to make him known. That's what God's will is for our lives. We need to present ourselves to God. We need to give all that we are to God and not be conformed to the pattern of this world. I wonder if we're going to be a conformer or a transformer, someone who brings that transformation, not to be conformed but to transform. And God promises if we do that, he promises that we will know his good his perfect and his pleasing will. That's the promise that we have. God's will for your life is good. It's good. Can I just say that? If you go away with nothing else this evening, as we walk out that door, know that God's will for your life is good. It's a good plan for your life. And I think some of us tonight need to present ourselves literally and say, God, here I am again. Here I am again. Just use me from head to toe. I give everything again to you. We need to give ourselves to Jesus. And others of us might just need to remove the mask tonight and say, I haven't been true to who I really am. I am going to be God's ambassador in my office tomorrow morning. I am going to be God's ambassador at school tomorrow morning because I've been hiding. I've been hiding so that I fit in with those around me. So I'm going to ask the band to come back up. They're coming back up. And actually, I'd like to pray for us all this evening. I'd like to pray for all of us that we would, as we start this series, just commit ourselves again, the whole of ourselves again, to walking in God's will for each one of us. So let's stand. Can we stand? And I'd like to lead us in prayer. Um, this evening. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father God, you just see every one of us standing here this evening. And I just ask us this evening, if we do something brave and courageous tonight, um, is that if we just want to give ourselves again over to Jesus, if we want to say, God, I want, to, I want you to use me, I want to be a living sacrifice for you, I just ask you to put your hands out in front of you tonight, very simply. If you're not comfortable with it, you can just put them close to you or just put your hands out just as a sign of response tonight. Father God, I thank you that as we stand here, you see us just stood before you. And we present ourselves this evening as living sacrifices for you. Lord Jesus, would you renew our minds, transform our minds. Fill our minds with your truth this evening. 
Would you take our hands, our feet, our mouths, Jesus, the words that come out of our mouths? We want to give them to you this evening. And we commit to becoming more like Jesus. To spend time in your word. To talk to you. And Father God, for those of us who may be walking around with a bit of a mask on. Hiding our true identity as a child of God. Would you just remove those masks this evening? Would that come tumbling down? And would our authentic heart for you just shine through? And Father God, as we give ourselves to you again, we pray that as we step out of here, we would step into the plans that you have for us. Thank you that you promise that you have good plans for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. And we pray that over your people here tonight, that we would walk in your will, we would walk in your ways, and we would be excited again by the things of God. Come Holy Spirit, Fill us again, in Jesus' name. Amen.